Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Manxiety Podcast. We're your hosts, Ashad and Matt. Before we get started, if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe so you can get notified of new episodes. If you want to share this with your friends, you can find us on all podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. A quick note before we jump into the episode. The interview was slightly longer than our regular episode, so we've cut it into two separate parts. Part one, you'll be listening to shortly. And part two will be coming out next week. uh, And it will be a continuation of uh, part one, along with some uh, breathing exercises that you can partake in. And now back to the episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Manxiety Podcast. It's your boy, Matt, here with the shot and our wonderful special guest. We we told you last episode, if you caught the tail end of it, a shot was saying that there's going to be an amazing episode coming up that was supposed to be a surprise. Again, you know what the episode title is, obviously, because you're... And I wasn't down- lying. Downloaded the dance. Anyways, what I want everybody to do at home real quick is stop. Now, not hammer time. Normally, that's the joke I would use. But if you're driving... That, that's okay if you're driving and you want to listen to the podcast. But what I will say is if you are not driving, if you're at home, stop what you're doing and grab a notepad. I got a notepad right here, okay? Because our guest today, Casey, has so many certifications and accreditations. Probably the smartest person we've ever met. Most certainly the smartest person we've had on. So the quick introduction for Casey before I let her say it, the rest is she has a dual master's or pursuing a dual master's. Like, like right on the edge of this at a major university in, uh, what is it, Master of Education, an educational specialist degree in school psychology, also going for her applied behavioral analysis certification and is BCBA board certified behavioral analyst certified soon or something. It sounds like she's got the FBI of fucking everything that we need to talk about she's the specialist that we brought in right like she's the tactician so we are super happy to have her here um she's one of our good friends and um yeah i am really excited and i'm gonna stop before a shot says that intro went on way too long if you see her signature it's the ones that have like the whole bunch of commas i bet i don't know i haven't (laughs) seen it i'm just guessing that it's going to be like her name comma acronym comma acronym comma acronym and just keeps going yeah, like like her her LinkedIn is like forty characters long, and it's just accreditations. <laughs> I wish, I wish it was that <laughs> that wild. But thank you for the esteemed introduction. I am really happy to be here. Um, to be honest, I most of like myself and my peers didn't even know what degrees we were getting in the beginning of our program. We're just like, oh, we're getting something while we're here, so let's do it. <laughs> Well, something will show up at the end, right? Well, I'll have some sort of diploma. That's kind of how I felt about going to college. It was like, I'm just here. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Hopefully I get something out of it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm paying a lot of money to be here, so I hope I the acronym's worth it, you know? <laughs> oh, I'm sure it will be. I, I have no doubt about that. So, Casey, can you, um, I guess just for our listeners, I know we went through all your accreditations and stuff you're pursuing, but can you tell us a little bit about what you do, what you you know, I guess what what your expertise is in, or just anything at all. T- tell us about yourself. I swear this isn't an interview. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, oh, I should have prepped. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm in my last few months of my master's degree. I'm in New York, broadcasting live from NYC. Um, I am going to be getting a degree in school psychology to be a school psychologist. 
most people don't really know what school psychologists are or do unless you've interacted with one. So basically, we uh, assess kids for special education, making sure that they are accessing the curriculum the same way that other more like neurotypical peers do. And we what also... does neurotypical mean? Sorry, before before you continue, I don't know these psychology terms, yeah. and I, I doubt our listeners do. Well, maybe some of them do, but Matt doesn't. So I know what that is. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> Anyways, please tell us, Casey. Yeah, yeah. So neurotypical is just like uh, describes people who have very like average presentations when it comes to like their neurological development, as well as like their kind of personal profile. So I am like a neurotypical person, you know, some of my students who have specific learning disabilities, or maybe like ADHD, they would be described as like neurodiverse people with autism, stuff like that. So it's just a way to kind of be inclusive, but also be specific. So you can kind of tailor the learning or, you know, the style to the right person and the right party. Oh, that's very cool. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry, continue. I kind of butted in there. No, I'm please, please, but it's your podcast. You can. <laughs> Thanks for having me on it. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. I so I do these reports. Uh. To write them up so that the parents kind of understand how to best support their kids. Then teachers can also help them. I do individual and group counseling. I love counseling students and adolescents. So I spe- I specialize with um kids from pre K to uh, twenty two, kind of right before they transition out. I'm currently interning at a school in New Jersey as part of the end of my certification. I am working for a pediatric neuropsychologist for fun, just to learn a little bit more about like diagnosing, diagnosing, you know, characterizations, presentations. And I really love working with um, autistic people, their families, their kids. So I'm doing some counseling and training on Long Island as well. So I'm just kind That's of awesome. helping everyone. Yeah, wherever, no, that's amazing. Wherever they can. See, y'all thought I was joking when I said smartest person I know. Well, I don't know about that. I agree. But but you did just say working for fun. Did you maybe mistake that with um just, you know, working? I don't I don't can know. I, I don't know very many people that work for fun. Well, as a grad student, you do a lot of things for fun. As in oh, like okay. It's like you know. it's like the for fun, right? Like yeah. the <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> For the learning, and I mean, I, I, I actually am. Um, for my internship, you know, of course, it's it's unpaid, but just my the agency I work for on Long Island, they are. I do get some income there, and for the pediatric neuropsych, so it's That's you know you, cool. you try and get what you can in grad school because your time is you know the only thing that you don't have a lot of. So oh, of course, yeah, but I nice. love it. No, that's amazing. That sounds like you're doing some really amazing work, and. Um, well, I've personally never talked to anyone that, you know, is in your field and in your industry. So it's going to be very interesting for me to learn about all that. Uh, I don't know if Matt has, I mean, he knew the word neuro typical, so maybe he has talked to someone before. Well, I mean, just in talking, um, to like psychologists and psychiatrists about ADHD, that's, that's always a big thing is like neurotypicals versus neuro, like is it divergent? Yeah, neurodivergent, neurodiverse. I like that one because it's like that book, The Divergence or whatever, where like <laughs> that, the, the yeah. superpowered kids or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I have a superpower instead of I have this thing that is, uh, <laughs> you know, crippling anxiety that I can't do basic tasks. Oh, man. <laughs> you don't I, like being diverse? 
You like being divergent, though? I like I like both of those. I don't want to be typical. I mean, I would love to be typical, but that's not the way <laughs> the cards are dealt, so. Yeah, I don't know. I think w- specifically with ADHD, I think I-, I describe it to kids and their families as having superpowers, because once you can harness your, like, strengths and then kind of develop your weaknesses, I think that there's parts of your brain that work better or more efficiently, I should say, than neurotypical people. So, but it's all about catching it and learning about how you're like, you know, how it affects you because it can be crippling right. if you, if you don't, and you're not like aware, self-aware of how that impacts you. Definitely. No, that makes sense. Um, I guess since we're on the subject of talking about like kids and autism and stuff, um, I know you're, you work with them right now, but what are some, you know, I guess can you tell us a little bit more about how that works, you know, how you can help someone, how you can identify kids yeah. or children that have, uh, that are neurodivergent. Nice. You got it. You're going to be the pro by the end of the episode. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I think it's actually really important because, you know, I know you, you both have touched, you know, on here before that, like you know there's just like a lot of stigma and a lot of what's not talked about with mental health you know and I think that really translates to kids too because you know different cultures see mental health obviously in different ways and presentations look different in different cultures and um I just think it's really important if you're you know a parent a brother a sibling a guardian that you kind of keep your eyes out when someone is you know struggling in some aspect or, or just appearing different and, you know, whatever different looks like, because whether it's internalized, like it's anxiety or depression, or it's, you know, something like ADHD or autism, which is just your brain's just different, or, you know, you math is hard or writing is hard. I think if you start to kind of key in early enough, like the, the best interventions or early interventions, you can really save a whole lot of just frustration from the kids part. You know, I work with a lot of kids. The pandemic, I think, has impacted students and teachers so drastically that, I mean, some kids haven't even had the opportunity to get like reading intervention because access virtually or, you know, has been so challenging. So I guess I I did want to talk a little bit about just kind of being, uh, having like a mindful eye to your, your, the environment you're in and the people you are, because it's really uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to kind of talk about mental health and depending on if it's within your family or, you know, someone you don't know that well, um, some of those bridges can be hard to, to cross. No, definitely. I mean, I feel like anytime just different for some reason for everyone seems like different is bad, but that's not, that's not the case. Almost never. That's almost never the case. Different is just different. It's, it doesn't have to be bad. And in some cases, it can be really good. Um, but, it, you know, it, it just is what it is. It's it's not good or bad. Um, yeah. And I, I, I don't know if you've heard the latest episode, but I'm going to be having a kid in the next six, seven months. So, you know, I think ah, this will be really useful for me, too. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just to learn about all this and, you know, if uh, knowing how to identify this stuff and how I can help, you know, that's that's all stuff that, like, as a soon-to-be parent uh, that I think about, you know, 
how to make sure that I'm aware of what's going on, how to, you know, if, if I guess they are neurodivergent, right? Did I use that word still? Right. Okay. Perfect. They're neurodivergent. Perfect. You know, I, I know what to do um, because I see more and more parents and especially in like our culture and the Armenian culture where parents are just very, I won't say ignorant about it, but they, they don't want to, they don't accept the fact that their child is different maybe. Right. And so they just, they keep treating them the same way or they get mad or, uh, you know, they try all this stuff because they think that the kid is just acting up when in reality it can be, you know, they're just different and you need to approach them in a different way. So yeah. I'm very excited to learn about all this too. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point. And I think to, to like, you know, shed some fear potentially or, you know, anxiety around parenting from, you know, what I, what I can offer is, you know, there, like as a, as a first parent, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of things that you, you're learning, you know, and people are going to give you all kinds of advice of all different things. All, all I can offer is if, you know, when you're, when your child is born, just be mindful of like developmental milestones, you know, eye contact, when they sit up, when they roll over, little things like that, babbling, their first word, little things like this, if there's any, and, and kids are all, and then another, this is important too, kids also are, are different, they develop differently. So, even if they're a little delayed with maybe the, how they speak, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to have, you know, a speech disorder or a language disorder, I think. So being kind of um, just being mindful that like your child is going to be different from other kids, but also being aware when, you know, oh, maybe if he's, you know, he or she is two years old and they're still not talking, like that's something that we might want to kind of just bring to our pediatrician's attention or, you know, if they're in elementary school or preschool and they're not making friends or they're having a really hard time with their schoolwork. um, Right. I think bringing it to the teacher's attention to the school psychologist is just the best thing you can do for the student because to your point of shot, um, you know, it sounds like if, you know, someone in your family was experiencing difficulties, like as a kid in whatever aspect, it's not like it didn't go unnoticed, like parents would try different things and help. But I think the the lack of expertise is really, you know, I think it's important to acknowledge that there's only so much you can do and know um, as a parent, like intuition wise, and then there's that, something else that can be added and offered um, right. with someone who's a little bit more, you know, has a little couple more letters after their name, theoretically. Oh, I completely agree. <laughs> so, someone who's actually studied and has some experience and expertise in whatever it is. Yeah, that, I think that brings up a really good point that that I want to touch on real quick because as a kid, like learning learning as an adult, like I had ADHD, right? Like school came easy for me because that's typically what it is. Like, oh, you're like the gifted kid that like you just get it. But also, like, I hated doing homework. I hated all the, the, the structure and the rules and crap. And the reason I got it is because I wanted to go play video games. I was like, if I just give the teacher what they want, they'll leave me alone. Um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but w- with that, it's kind of like, you know, if your kid had a broken bone, right? Like, if you had a five-year-old and, you know, this actually happened to me and probably scarred me when I was younger. Kids playing tetherball. Somebody hit the pole when they turned to swing and they twisted their ankle and had to be wheeled out on a on a wheelchair or whatever. 
And I was like, I'm never playing tetherball again. It was like a, a seven-year-old. I'm like, nope, not doing it. Um, <laughs> poor, poor, poor Michael. I still remember that. Um, but it's like if your kid has a broken bone because it's a physical thing that you can see, you're going to go get them help, right? You're yeah. going to be like, oh, my God, something's wrong. Like, Let me go help them. And I think like that's kind of the distinction that we have to make with the mental health side is like your kid may need help or a little bit of encouragement or like maybe a, a different structure, a different routine or whatever. But that's completely okay. It's almost the same thing as if they had like that broken bone or something. There's resources to help them as opposed to being like, well, I can't see it and there's no bone coming out and there's no blood. So let's just kind of ignore it. Right. I think that's kind of what maybe older generations uh, felt. I, I know uh, to to a shot's credit, he's did you did you finish the book on parenting or are you in the middle of it still? No, I finished one of them. See, but yeah, he's a- I, I am reading other ones. <laughs> Like, he's just knocking down, like, you know, those those people that their New Year resolution is to read a book a week. He's over here just, like, parenting this, parenting this. Like, he's he's, he's on top of it. Ooh, should we find out what you've learned? We can, sure. (laughs) Well, the the first thing he learned... I didn't realize I I was going to get tested, but... The first thing he learned is that uh, the baby looks different than you think it looks when it comes out because Hollywood likes to bring babies that I guess are probably older. Three months, at least three months old. Oh, look, it's a newborn. Like, oh my God, it's so cute. And then when you look at like a a one right out of the oven, you're like, this thing needs to go back in. It's not done. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that was the most important thing I learned. My cousin actually brought it up. Um, he, He didn't know this either. And like in the delivery room he saw his baby come out and he's like something is wrong with this baby right like what did you guys do um and, and then you know he then found out his sister told him that like no that's normal that's how babies come out of the womb uh but yeah literally the first two pages of this book i was reading was uh what you what you think your baby's gonna look like and it's like you know this perfect looking baby and it's like this is a three-month-old and then the next page what your baby actually looks like and it's like blue and deformed head and like the cheesy stuff all over them and, uh, you know, birthmarks and bruises, like, not bruises, but, you know, like just like all this stuff all over their body. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's but see, that's important. It's important to kind of combat something that you originally thought or right was per- portrayed so that you're a little bit more prepared for, you know, when that time comes. I think that's I think it, it kind of rolls back into what we were saying with. Um, kind of keeping an eye out and being mindful. It's also kind of like what you can do to educate yourself and, you know, just to be, you know, just to be wary and aware of like what, what is out there and how students and kids are affected. I think it's important too, though, just to throw out there, culture plays like such a huge role because not all fam, not even just culture, but not all family dynamics make space for, someone who is different you know um right and and i think it can it can almost change the value or the um, how that person's viewed like in their role in the family you know um so i think that's where a lot of the ignoring and the not talking about it comes from is part of not knowing what to do like how do we do this and also kind of some embarrassment of like well i don't want people to know that you know my sister or my you know my child is not you know acting like quote unquote normal i hate that right word, but you know what i mean that they're different yeah like i think i think that that's really hard and i think you know i i don't know every culture under the sun so i can't speak for everyone but i know that like there's um there's a lot of empathy and like there's a lot that goes on with just hearing someone out and listening to them where they are even if they're not in a place to 
to make a a change or to get a service for the for the kiddo like parents should and as a future parent you should always feel really empowered because there are experts that are going to tell you all these things but you are going to know your child better than anyone and you should always follow your gut you know that's I think the best thing that I've you know kind of been experiencing with parents I speak to I always try and give them that power it's it's important yeah I appreciate that I mean that's there's so many books out there, right? And it's the same thing where it's like each of them is going to say something else. Uh, I have found one that uh, one I was just reading about, like this this uh, pediatrician who came up with this method. Uh, and two, I just really like his name. His name is Dr. Spock. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, freaking live long and prosper. Yeah, so, <laughs> exactly. I was, uh, yeah, I was just all over that. But uh, his is really good because he, you know, he explains all this stuff. But he's like, you know, at the end of the day, like, trust your gut like you're the parent you know like yeah you shouldn't be picking up the baby every single time because they'll start you know like uh, they might get too used to that and then not be able to sleep without it but if your baby's crying and you feel like you should be picking him up like by all means go and pick him up just don't do it all the time right like it uh, I, I agree with that you know every and sort of everyone i've talked to uh, my cousins that have kids and all these people all of them say, you know, we we read the books too or like whatever, we listen to podcasts and this, but like our baby was just different, right? And you just have to adapt. And I think the more information you have, um, the more ability it gives you to pivot when, you know, you need to, you know it needs to change or you need to do something different. You have more uh, tools at your disposal. So if, you know, if the wrench doesn't work, you can take the screwdriver if that doesn't work you can take the hammer if that doesn't work you can take the whatever I was, I was <laughs> maybe like, not the best example you know? when it comes to kids <laughs> but no, there's I, just a lot of tools <laughs> that was a great example no see that was i completely agree having more tools at your disposal is super helpful just don't you know actually use a hammer that wouldn't be yeah no of course <laughs> that's, that's what i was worried i think about. that's why matt was doing those faces <laughs> i was i was like wait what like if a hammer doesn't work on a screwdriver like oh shit all right how about like love and acceptance first pal <laughs> well no those were just tools for some other job i'm just saying those are available ah, okay, okay. yeah let's see like a, use a, your a, imagination a, a little bit matt a, a shot's got one of those like thousand and one toolkits that you get at home depot <laughs> on sale for christmas where like all the t- it's got every single different type of wrench and we only need three of them he's got like one of those tool- toolboxes for his kids i actually don't i'm trying to build my toolbox with all these books i'm reading and talking to people like casey yeah there you go and i'm forever a resource so and i and i don't Appreciate know at all so um i can help problem solve if you get to a you know a problem with no instant solution which is kind of i think most <laughs> what, what at least i come up against all the time it's like wait a minute this yeah. wasn't in chapter two <laughs> now now how would you handle a man child just just asking asking for a friend somebody who you know just never never really grew up and doesn't want to <laughs> what's your what would your advice be to them well and what what do they need help with how would i deal with them i mean i mean he i mean this theoretical person needs help with everything <laughs> yeah a buddy of mine <laughs> yeah for a friend for a friend uh no and does that kidding. does that make you would that make you feel uncomfortable if you had to deal with a uh, a man child a man child no i think i would i would treat them the same way i treated Other a young children. child yeah <laughs> uh, well what what i do think is great about no man no you spray me with the water bottle like like a cat or a Whoa, dog. Whoa, dude, you're not supposed to spray a kid with the water bottle. No, I said cat or 
well, I guess it doesn't make any better. Being a cat or dog. Oh, that's horrible. All right. Well, uh, we'll just cut that part out. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Parent discipline. That's a whole separate thing we could talk about. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, But no, I think with any person, it's just listening. Like, I think you both have done such a great job of doing that to, believe it or not, each other on this show. And I think allowing for other people to feel heard. I know the eye roll, you know. But I, I do think that that's the most important thing you can do for man, child, woman, child, you know, <laughs> whatever child out there, because especially with kids, like they don't really have the agency or any like authority. So they're they're most often written off or, you know, kind of brushed aside. So giving them a space to and in and some really like the agency to have a voice, especially right. in adolescence giving them some autonomy. It's so great and so important. So I would, I would also recommend that to a man child, you know, have some autonomy over your life and, you know, take, take what you want, work for what you want. (laughs) Yeah. Totally not advice for you, Matt. This is just for our imaginary friend. The other people out there that need that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I do want to, I, if it's all right with y'all, I kind of want to shift. There's something I did want to talk about that I've heard come up over and over again on different episodes um, that I think would be super beneficial to your, your We'd audience. We'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, know, we don't I, know what it is, but we're, we're very open to, <laughs> to talking about things we've talked I'm, about. I'm scared right now. <laughs> As you should be. No. Um, <laughs> so, no, we, you have talked, you know, the, the, what, the podcast I've listened to, you've talked a lot about different skills and techniques to like kind of manage anxiety and, you know, different things you can do to kind of help deescalate how you're feeling and kind of address it. But there's been a few times we've or I've heard uh, talking about avoiding things that cause um, anxiety or something that makes you uncomfortable. Um, Like I think an example we were talking about earlier was, you know, when you when you define uncomfortable, is it like sitting in an uncomfortable seat in an airplane, right? I think a shot you're the one that said this, right? Or is it like being at a party with all of your exes? You know, there's <laughs> there's different severity levels of uncomfortability. Um, but I think what's often kind of a myth or misunderstood is when you avoid something that causes you right so much stress or anxiety, you're actually kind of reinforcing or making that anxiety you have toward it stronger. Have yeah. you all heard about that? Um, I don't know about heard, but definitely experienced partially. <laughs> I mean, if you've listened to some of our older episodes, I think I mentioned like the one, not the one time, one of the times I had like kind of like an anxiety attack. It was when I was at like a wedding. And so I kind of like started avoiding weddings uh, or like big gatherings for a little bit. Um, And it, yeah, it was totally, you know, the more... You avoid it, the more the worse it gets, right? Like at first, it was like actually getting there, and it was like just the thought of having to go was giving me anxiety. Like it just built sort of more and more on top of it, and it wasn't until I started slowly reintroducing going to these things and kind of doing like exposure therapy in a sense right. that you know I was able to um, overcome it and you know not not have that anxiety anymore. Yeah, and that's perfect. <laughs> the it's hard though, right? I'm sure it wasn't an easy process to go through. No, totally. Um, I mean, 
yeah, it makes you feel uncomfortable, kind of going back to it, it makes you feel uncomfortable, right? It's just, I think you got to take it, you know, take a bite at, take small bites out of it until you can finish the whole thing, right? So, you know, maybe one time you feel a little bit uncomfortable, but then after you do that once or twice, uh, you get more comfortable with it or more used to it. And then you can do something else and feel a little bit more uncomfortable. It's kind of like working out, right? Like if you always went and grabbed, like for someone like Matt, who probably like, uh, you know, does bicep curls with like, I don't know, 50 pound weights or something. If he went and grabbed five pound weights every time and he just like started moving them up and down, he wasn't going to get anything out of it. He has to go and grab like 55 pound weights that are going to make his muscles a little uncomfortable and like start doing those a little bit and like get used to that so that he can like feel more comfortable in that and move up and build more muscle. Uh, And I think we've, you know, we mentioned a lot that how the brain is a muscle. So similarly, it needs to be trained in that same way. You need to, uh, well, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll let you talk more into what you need to do. But I feel like, in my opinion, you need to expose yourself and put yourself in those situations, feel a little bit uncomfortable in order for you to be able to grow and get, you know, overcome it. Yeah, for for me real quick uh something i talked to my therapist about was if you can avoid something forever and you choose to and that's what makes you anxious more power to you but if it's something that you cannot avoid you should probably get ahead of it before it becomes this like big issue right so if you're like i'm deathly afraid of emus don't go where the fuck emus are i don't even know where they were they australia like just don't go near them right if you're deathly afraid of sharks you don't go in open water but you can still go in a pool right but it's like if it's something like, hey, I don't like or I'm afraid of talking on the phone. Eh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of you. You know, you can book a plumber now by text. But for the most part, you probably have to call somebody right, <laughs> and explain your problem. So it's like better to, to do that in small doses than to, like have that big moment where it's an emergency. And your pipes are broken and there's water everywhere. And you're like, oh, my God, I need to call somebody now. And you refuse to do it for three days because you're afraid to pick up the phone. Right. No, I completely agree. If you can avoid it, that's awesome. I mean, that's ideal, especially for your feelings and, you know, the not provoking the anxiety. I think it's also like you both kind of touched on, if you do take baby steps and you have to be, you know, it's something that you need help with or you're going to encounter. It's also helpful to remember that like anxiety and like the, and just stress in general is like a temporary feeling that comes over your body, right? Like, when you're in the thick of it, it feels like it's going to be here forever and it's the worst. And depending on, you know, the severity of it, it definitely can escalate or, you know, to make, to be even worse. But I think what I always tell like the students I work with and friends who ask <laughs> or, you know, care, care for my, my advice is that, you know, the feeling in all feelings, anger, sadness, like it all has a, a shelf life and, it looks really different, but remembering that, you know, anxiety originated for us as, you know, as a species, as a way to keep us safe, right? <laughs> it's like a biological right. mechanism so that we don't get eaten by a tiger, but we, you know, our heartbeats really fast. We run away, like we're not hungry, like we sweat to cool off our body, to be more efficient, like all these, you know, pathways and processes were really to help us make it in a wilderness and now we're navigating a very different world so now we just are exposed to things that aren't a tiger maybe it's a party where all your exes are right 
or an airplane or an emu. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that analogy. That's because who wouldn't be uncomfortable, right? Oof. No, I agree. Which, which part? The emus? The emus for sure. <laughs> no, emus are cool. I just like a whole party with all your exes. Yikes. Well, that that, that be- came about because... It, like it actually happened but they, they they didn't feel anxious in that i think i had a friend who they went to i think they went to a wedding or some party and the uh, whoever party they went to like their exes were like also somehow friends with them so like a whole bunch of their exes were also there uh i mean they didn't care but it was just like you know if you were someone that like had maybe a bad breakup or like don't really uh you know get along with your exes or something um you know i can see how like you would feel very uncomfortable in that situation just like walking in and you know they're all just looking at you you're like oh this must be the wrong party (laughs) (laughs) and you avoid it right no i'm just kidding full circle hopefully not so how i mean in so in those cases when you're working with um with kids right how would you what are some techniques that you would use to help kids stop avoiding things that they might be avoiding or maybe not even kids but just anyone like what you know what are your recommendations when it comes to something like that like if matt was deadly afraid of emus and emus were uh, as common as birds you know what, what what would be the advice you gave matt yeah i think i think i would talk to them about well i, I guess i do a few things i would talk about them about the uncomfortability. And I'd always empathize with the fact that whatever this is, whether I agree or disagree, doesn't really matter, but it's causing a lot of distress. And so I think just having that feeling of being heard is like just so undervalued. It's so such a powerful thing that anybody can do for another person. So I think that's like the first thing. Be like, yeah, emus are Why 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 are you afraid of emus, Matt? Can you tell us? We want to listen to you. And want you to be heard. Can you tell us a little bit about about emus and your fear of them? I was about to say that uh, I I saw them on uh, Dude Where's My Car when I was a kid, but those are ostriches. <laughs> so um, I'm those just afraid. Of, were I'm scary, afraid of man. <laughs> big birds in general. Maybe Sesame Street scarred me when I was a kid. Um, I I would just you know in this example just say like I just don't like them. They're scared. Or I guess like I could use spiders because I actually afraid of spiders, right? Um, but like, you know, just I don't like them. They're creepy. You know, they're they're all over the place. When they get on me, I have to dance, you know, to get them <laughs> off. Um, they suck. Yeah. Yeah, they do. I mean, and that's the thing is like, how often do you see spiders? I mean, probably not super. I hope not super often, but. Not, not that often. I did see one about a week and a half ago crawl into my dryer. It just, I saw it out of the corner of my eye, my peripheral vision. And I saw this like moving dot. I'm like, what the hell? And I look, I, sc- I was like, ah, I screamed like a little girl, <laughs> of course. And then um, every time I've used the dryer since to, to do my clothes, I'm very careful about that side of the dryer. I'm like, if you come out, I have a shoe somewhere. <laughs> I'm going to find you. Just stay, that's totally normal stay in your dryer home, pal. <laughs> stay in your dryer. <laughs> I feel like that's a very normal reaction. Yeah, but. <laughs> Honestly, not that often. You know, it's been mostly one-off. Like, my house is pretty cool. And if they're outside, I go, you're outside. You're living your best life. You're keeping the bugs away. That's fine. <laughs> Just don't come inside. Right. Hey, Casey, are you, uh, are you a Harry Potter fan? Or have you read the books or watched the movies or anything? I 
am a very big Harry Potter fan. Okay, it's, okay, cool. Because yeah. this totally reminds me of, of Ron being scared of spiders. So, Matt, what you have to do is take out your wand and, 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 and use the spell Ridiculous and imagine the spider with skates on its legs. Yeah, that, well, that then- only works... Uh, for a little bit, it's not a, when you go if it's into. A uh, I, I, what, what's the spider's name? A- Aragorn. No, that was Lord of the Rings. Oh fuck! <laughs> no, she, she. No, no, no. Lord of the Rings is Shelob. No. Aragorn. Aragorn isn't. Aragog. What's Aragog the What's the spider's spider. name in Harry Potter? You it's, You would both know. It, it, I think Aragog. it's Aragog. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought you said Aragorn. I heard it wrong. Oh, yeah, I thought you oh, said yeah. Aragorn too. Okay. Okay, I messed up, but I was close. So, so, so in in wordle terms, I'm almost there. A couple more letters. Um, okay, like that movie. Fuck watching that in the in the big screen, dude. When they're like coming down, I'm like, oh god. Whew. My 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 Apple Watch is like, are you working out right now? Just thinking about it. Like, Heart rate's increasing. Yeah. yeah, there you go. And so some techniques would be helpful. Well, what do you do? So when you're feeling really anxious, like what what's helpful for you? Um, if it's related to like spiders, I, you know, take it outside or literally take it outside and bury it, kill it, whatever, you know, whatever (laughs) happens. But, um, I mean, in in general, I just try to like, look at the, the the bigger picture of it and be like, is this actually causing you issues? Right? Like, did the spider get on you? Did you freak out? Like what's going on? Or is it like a situation where, I'm thinking it's like a big deal. Oh my God, it was in my dryer. It's in my clothes. It's going to like smell me and attack me or something, right? Or is it just like, oh, okay. Like that that was a weird thing. I haven't seen a spider in this room in like three, four years. All of a sudden there's one. Maybe there's not more, hopefully. Uh, you know, and just be like, okay, well, like next time I'm around that area to just check that part of the dryer and make sure like it's not coming out and like scaring me when I'm not looking. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, it's like zooming out right? Like it's like a lens. And instead of like zooming in and being like, Oh my gosh, this is like starting to catastrophize. This is going to be in the dryer. It's gonna be my shorts and my whatever. And kind of being like, wait, it's in my shorts. (laughs) Oh, shit. I I never thought about that. It could have been in my clothes. I just thought it was on the dryer. No, no, I'm I'm sure it was just on the dryer, Matt. And plus, (laughs) it it basically walked into its own grave. You know, it's not going to survive being in the dryer. Yeah, there's no I don't even know how it got. Well, I guess we probably left the window open. And it's, I mean, kudos to the spider. It's on the second story. So you had to climb all the way up to the second story and then figure out, hey, I want to go in this person's house. Like it's fucking Jack and the Beanstalk. And then like get in and then be like, now this human giant is going to kill me. Yeah. Well, where's my beans? That's what I would be thinking <laughs> if I was a spider. Yeah. And and if you would have asked me like five years ago, I probably would have just set the house on fire and started anew somewhere else. But I've, <laughs> I'm managing it, everybody. <laughs> You You know what's a cool thing I learned about spiders is they don't actually have muscles and like like uh, joints and stuff in their legs. They control their legs using their blood pressure, which is pretty sick. Wow. Yeah, that's that's why why when a spider dies, it like the legs all curl up because there's no more blood pressure. Oh my gosh! Well, what have are there spiders that have like low blood blood pressure or like high blood pressure, and they they aren't as efficient moving around? There are there any different are. spiders? Probably, like they if they need a little Lipitor, right for their <laughs> for their blood pressure. <laughs> yeah, you just, just put some serious. blood pressure medication down them, and then like uh, they just like they can't uh, move anymore. All right, let's, become... <laughs> let's let's not try to make fucking super spiders over here, right? That are faster than they already are and need to be. Okay, like Jesus. 
I, I wonder know. if I daddy long legs uh, need higher blood pressure because they have longer legs. Oh, yeah, I wonder. That That's good. What's interesting, I'll say this because you're on and you can help uh, analyze this from, from the kid perspective, is but, when I was a kid. Are you calling her a kid? That's not cool. No, me being a kid. What? Jesus. All right. You're in timeout a shot. Um, <laughs> normally, I'm the one that's in timeout, but today you're getting feisty. Uh, so when I was a kid, I know I'm afraid of spiders because when I was a kid, um, I came out of the room I was sleeping in, right? My dad was on the couch watching TV and he was watching the movie Arachnophobia, which like is loosely about spiders in a garage, like kill a family. Or I don't know, right? I don't remember. I just know that that night I had a nightmare that I ran out of the room to like go say something to my dad. And I checked him on like on the couch. He wasn't there. And I looked over in the kitchen and my mom and my dad were wrapped up in spiders webs and the spiders were eating them. And then spiders like it was straight out of fucking Harry Potter. Honestly, JK Rowling probably owes me money for my nightmare. She tapped into it somehow. Uh, like the spiders started coming at me like across the floor running at me. And I ran back into the room and like slammed the door and then I woke up and I had, to, I had told my dad years later, I was like, this is why I'm afraid of spiders because you fucking let me watch that show with you. And he's like, I can't control what you were doing. You were like five, like, <laughs> like, like you're, you're an adult basically. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> um, you know, so he, he wasn't taking responsibility for it. He's like, Oh, I just, I thought you wanted to hang out on the couch. Like it was a cool moment. I'm like, yeah, well, I was scared. Um, but like, I, I know why, but as, as an adult looking back, I'm like, Oh, okay. You were scared because of that moment and the, the nightmare you had and all this other stuff. But it's like, they're not scary when it's like one and it's on the dryer. Right. Now, if there were five or six or like a web sack or whatever, like I, I, might, I might literally have burned down the house. You, I might be in a different, <laughs> might be in a different venue. I'm mean, the same um, thing with zombies, Matt. One isn't scary. It's when you have a horde of zombies coming at you that you got to be scared. Unless Michonne's on your team, then you're true. That. <laughs> I get that reference. <laughs> well, I do too, which is awesome. They um. Sorry, and I, I I know Casey, you wanted to get into that, but just real quick, they uh, I, I was reading uh, something online the other day, and it was talking about how like um, when Walking Dead first came out, he's like they don't really explain how all these people turn into zombies, right? It just sort of like you know there was an outbreak, and then all these people are zombies. He's like now after COVID, I understand. All these people probably went up to the zombies saying, I'm not afraid of you. Freedom, this, that. You can't, you know, you can't control my life. And lo and behold, they all turned to zombies. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Zom zombies would freak me out, though, for real. Just just because the gore and the rotting, that's like, and the smell. I'm like a super sensory person. So, like, smells and stuff really really get me i think more than most people i can smell something very very far away and i'm like oh that needs to go <laughs> whatever That's it is a very cool superpower to have because if there's zombies coming by well, you'll always know you can keep us you know aware of that yeah i'll be i'll be on lookout duty for sure <laughs> that's not even my best superpower that's just one what, what's your best superpower i can fall asleep anywhere at any time like a snap of a finger go oh. right now go <laughs> <laughs> it won't it won't make for a very uh interesting podcast episode but sure unless i sleep talk then that could be that could be interesting true Ooh. you know that reminds me of um who's that actor that could he did a lot of movies he could fall asleep anywhere he was in like rat race and stuff 
uh, Rowan Atkinson. You know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, he falls asleep in the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's just like the, the funny dude. Um, and he has his own movies and stuff. Hold on. I, I'll tell you who he is. You might be. Yeah, Rowan Atkinson. Nice. <laughs> no how, face. How do you know that, Matt? <laughs> do, do you know who that is, Casey? No. I'm horrible at actor and actresses' names. Um, it's Mr. Bean. There he is. That's the name I was looking for. You know uh, Mr. Bean? Yeah. I do know Mr. Bean. <laughs> yeah. Because his whole thing is like he could fall asleep anywhere. And I, I vividly remember in Rat Race, there was an accident and he had fallen asleep and he like he had no broken bones or anything. And they were like, how did he survive? They're like, well, he was asleep. So he didn't tense up when the accident happened. And, you know, he's completely fine. So that's a very cool superpower to have. It's awesome in New York City. I commute pretty far so I can like time my naps between trains and subways. So nice. I'm getting the maximum amount of sleep that I possibly can. <laughs> That's awesome. 